So uh, before we, now I just want to kind of segue into talking about uh, how to set one of these, a farm like this up and some of the production considerations. But uh, I think we should yeah. start. We've been talking about blue fruit farm. Can you, can you give me a, a list of, of the, 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 uh, the crops you're growing on the farm? Yeah, well, we have quite a few different varieties of blueberries. And, uh, you know, something about blueberries is you'd need, they, they produce better with several varieties. I mean, they're pretty much self-pollinating as long as you have bumblebees to do the work. But, but the production and quality really improves with multiple varieties. And then you want to think through whether they're early season, mid-season, or late season, because there are distinct differences there. And then, you know, plant height because uh, some of those are very low in spreading, and so we've avoided those as well. And, uh, you know, really focus on the ones that get up at least four feet in height and then have good berry size and good flavor. But we still have quite a few, you know, some of the varieties we're growing, uh, Northland, Polaris, Patriots, um, those, those are all early to mid-season. And then we have some late varieties, uh, Nelson, Elliot, Elizabeth, with the Nelson, in our particular situation, doing the best of the late varieties. Um, and then we have a number of different uh, varieties of elderberries, and uh, some of those come from the Northeast, varieties like Nova, Johns, Adams, uh, and York, and then some come out of Missouri, um, uh, and those are Ranger, Wildwood, and Bob Gordon, and not ranger, but ranch, I'm sorry. And for us, in our situation, by far the ranch out of Missouri have been the most dependable, most productive, and uh, least trouble. We have a couple different, well, three different issues with elderberries. Um, an elderberry rust, and that can affect any of the varieties, and that we can control quite successfully with scouting and removal. Uh, but then we also have some issues with um, a curling of the leaves caused by an elderberry mite, and then also fruit um, being affected by powdery mildew. And that is mo much more pronounced in the York and John's uh, um, and Adams varieties, those, those two problems, um, whereas the uh, Ranch and Bob Gordon and Nova are uh, the ones that don't suffer from those. So those are working best in our situation, but every situation is different. Um, then we also, I'm, I'm very pleased with the uh, way that black currants have performed for us. And our primary variety is titania. Um, and it has been disease-free, very productive, very vigorous. And in fact, the biggest problem it causes is it produces way too many um, shoots and stems that the pruning, you have to just be ruthless and remove at least half to two-thirds of the plant every year. So in March, we come through and try and get it down to about 12 stems, 12 to 15 stems per bush, and you want a mix of one, two, and three-year-old wood, so you need to identify, you know, the different uh, ages of the wood and then uh, um, be pretty rigorous, uh, ruthless in, in pruning. And we did have one 
variety consort that we planted originally with the titania, and it was totally susceptible to powdery mildew, and so we pulled out 115 plants and replaced them with uh, more titania. But now we're also into uh, several new varieties that we put in this year, Crusader, uh, Minaj Miru, and uh, Black Down, as well as a native that I collected in the woods, uh, a Ribes Americanum, uh, that I'm, I'm very excited about having added to our collection now. Um, it has milder, sweeter fruit a little bit later, um, and so I think it has a lot of potential, so I'm expanding uh, on, on those. Um, but uh, then I mentioned our plum trees. So we have five different varieties, uh, Mount Royal, Ewing Blue, Todd, which is a uh, prune plum type kind of oblong shaped variety, the Northern Blue, which is not blue, and maybe that was a mistake at the nursery, but the ones we have have a yellow reddish fruit. Um, and then Black Ice, which is a kind of gourmet type plum uh, bred out of UW, University of Wisconsin River Falls program, um, but they've been more problematic for us. Uh, the best ones have been those northern blue, even though they're not blue, and then the Todd and Mount Royal so far. And those are all full-size trees, and the black ice is a, a dwarf or a semi-dwarf. And then we have a few trees of a very interesting fruit called a cherry plum. We only have about a dozen trees, but that's actually a cross between a sand cherry and different plum varieties. And so the fruit itself is, you know, about the size of a plum, but with a smaller pit like a cherry, deep purple flesh, and quite delicious. But the growth habits of some of the trees, they want to sprawl because they have that sand cherry genetics in them. And uh, so they're a little challenging to get them to prune and shape up into a tree form. Uh, but they're kind of fun to play around with. And then uh, another really dependable fruit for us is the Aronia berry, Aronia melancarpa is the species. Common name is black chokeberry, not choke cherry, but chokeberry. It's a shrub. They get up about four to six feet tall, yeah, at least six feet, and about four feet wide, multi-stemmed. They're a native to North America, um, but um, all the development and breeding has gone on in Scandinavia, Russia, and Eastern Europe. And so the variety we grow is called Viking, and it's actually out of Sweden, even though the uh, plant itself is native to North America. And people in those countries are very familiar with the Aronia berry. It, it has uh, like ten, four to ten times the antioxidant uh, of blueberries and is the highest on the antioxidant scale of anything that we can grow here. Um, they're about the size of a blueberry. They're actually in the rose family or apple uh, family, um, and they are in a cluster of about mm, 20 berries in a cluster that all ripen at once. And they, they would lend themselves to mechanical harvest, but we only have about 150 plants, and it really doesn't warrant uh, mechanical harvest <coughs> for our scale. 
but they would. And I know people planting acres of aronia berries now. And um, they aren't the kind of thing that you just pick off the bush and eat fresh like you do a blueberry. They're very astringent. So when you eat on them, they're um, juicy, but at the same time make your mouth feel dry and pucker up. Um, I mean, I can eat them, but they aren't just something that you have on your cereal like you would a blueberry. But they're great thrown into smoothies with other fruits, and they make incredible juices, jellies, and wine. Um, And uh, I think have tremendous potential and have been very trouble-free as far as any disease or pest issues. Uh, Minimal pruning. There's some pruning, but nothing like with the black currants. And then we have about 40 service berries, which are also known as Saskatoons or June berries. They're also native originally to uh, North America and uh, historically been part of the indigenous diet uh, mixed with, uh, you know, buffalo meat and and fat uh, to make pemmican. Uh, The service berry is a crucial ingredient in that. They're a high-protein fruit, which is unusual, uh, they have a little more prominent seed than some of the other things I talked about, but it's still quite edible. And they are edible um, uh, right off the bush, and you can you know, mix them with your cereal. They're not at all inoffensive. They make great pies or tarts, things like that. And we just have one variety called Regent. But I've been told that a couple other varieties are even higher quality fruit, uh, Smoky and Season. Um, if I was going to do it again, I would probably you know, go to the extra effort to try and source uh, some other varieties. Um, but they're, they're a fruit that the birds are just crazy about. And uh, when I finish talking about the fruit, I'll talk about what we've done about the birds. But, <laughs> um, uh, and they're quite early in the season. So the name Juneberry, they're towards the end of June is when they ripen. And then in the last few years, we've added honeyberry uh, to our collection, and I am very excited about honeyberry. They're uh, called honeyberry because they're in the same genus as the honeysuckle. Another name is called the blue honeysuckle. They're uh, very cold-hardy. They're a zone 3 fruit. They're typically grown in Siberia and Hokkaido, the northern island of Japan, they're a uh, oblong fruit. Oh, the biggest one's about an inch long, um, purple, and ripen before strawberries, so very early in the season. Um, and they are a fresh-eating fruit, so you can pick them and just munch on them. And they're a little delicate. And that's another thing that why we don't grow blackberries and, and raspberries is because they're so delicate after harvest. We like things that hold up better. These are kind of in between. They're, they're you know, uh, uh, pretty stable, but um, uh, you do want to use them a little quicker. They don't have as long a shelf life as the aronia or the black currants. Uh, but they make probably the best jam I've ever had in my life. And a guy bought some from us uh, this past summer, made jam, and entered it in the local county fair. And not just got a blue ribbon, but it was a grand champion of the fair. Uh, uh, with his honeyberry jam. Um, and their flavor is similar to a blueberry, a little sharper, a little um, uh, um, 
you know, kind of get your attention type of taste, but not not unpleasant, not bitter, not astringent um, at all. And you definitely want at least two varieties because they do depend on cross-pollination. Um, so you want two varieties that bloom at the same time. So you want to match that up. And we have some varieties that came from a nursery in Oregon and then some that came um, – uh, University of Saskatchewan is leading the breeding work on this fruit, and they came out of that program. And by far, the ones uh, out of that program are the most successful for us in Minnesota, and those are uh, Borealis, and then its pollinator is called Aurora, so that makes sense, the Aurora Borealis. And then there's also Tundra and Cinderella um, um, that are nice-sized fruit, and um, performing well. Some of the others we got from Oregon, uh, Night Mist, Midnight Blue, Bluebird, uh, Blue Bell. Uh, they broke uh, dormancy a little early last uh, winter, early, early spring, and got some damage. Mm. So they, uh, the others did not at all. So um, that's something to look out for. And then we have one other fruit uh, in the mix called Yosta berry, which is a cross between a black currant and a gooseberry, but it doesn't have the thorns of a gooseberry. It has uh, uh, purple fruit, um, a nice size fruit, uh, but it's not really a very productive, so it doesn't have much potential as a commercial. Uh, and they also have kind of a weird growth habit. Um, so and, and when you harvest them, they, the stem tends to pull away from the fruit and leave an open bleeding scar, which is no good because then they get juice over other fruits and they don't hold up and make a mess. And so you want to kind of pinch them so it leaves a little bit of the stem on. So that's, they're problematic in a number of, of uh, regards, and that's why they probably haven't on commercial. I just don't see products with Yosta Berry at all, but it was something to try. It sounded good in theory, but I'm, prob I'm likely to pull some of those up and keep replacing them with the Honey Berry, which I'm much more excited and pleased with their performance. 